You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. Today we're going to continue on in our series called Genesis Foundations for an Unsteady World. And the principles we've been looking at in this book are the principles that really continue on for mankind. God laid some principles for us that regardless of time, culture, location, whatever, these principles transfer and continue. And so today we're going to Genesis chapter 32. So would everybody read or stand for the reading of the word? And we're going to begin in Genesis 32, verses 22 through 32. And this is picking up the story where Jacob stole his brother's uh, birthright. I think many folks know that. And after years of being hiding from his brother, it's time to go home and face his brother. And he's not confident he's going to survive that meeting. And so there is an encounter that God brings to Jacob's life. So come on, let's all read. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to understand your word. I pray it brings clarity to our mind, but more importantly, I pray that it touches the motives and the values of our life and that Jesus, that we would be open to you working in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So as we're continuing on in this story, I want to just lay again some backdrop. I said I would always provide a little insight about uh, the book of Genesis that would help you the next time you read it. Some of those things I would share would uh, help you to have better understanding of the book or even the passage that we're reading. And so this does, uh, what I'm sharing today, will help you to better have a better understanding of, of uh, the passage that we're reading. So here's a, here's a maybe, I call it a timeline. Why do I want to give you a timeline? 
because timelines help us the have a better understanding of what is unfolding in front of us. Now, some of you will appreciate this better by me using an illustration that you uh, oftentimes see in this particular time of the year, and it's called football. When you say there's two minutes left, it's very important to go, well, two minutes in the first quarter or two minutes in the second quarter. See, you say, oh, there's two minutes left in the first quarter. Your mind kind of goes, oh, we've got plenty of time. You say, hey, there's two minutes left in the second quarter. You go, oh, okay, well, we're all right. We've got half time. We can you know, make some adjustments. Then when you come and say, well, but it's two minutes left in the third quarter. How many know now your thinking starts going, mm, they better get their act together. And then when they say it's two minutes left in the fourth quarter, you're just praying that you have a shot to pull it off. And you're just going, okay, that, now, now you've got to pay attention to every little detail because there's only two minutes left in the game. It's amazing how a time frame influences our perception about what's unfolding in front of us. Okay? So it's sort of the same thing. One of the reasons I like to give timelines about the Bible is because sometimes we can view the stories of the Bible like there's this huge black hole of time and all the stories just flow in and flow out. And I'm trying to give you what I call some, some baselines of going, oh, okay, now I understand. Oh, that's when it happened. I have a better understanding and value for what that story is telling us and when it unfolded. And so you'll see here, I've already preached Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. This is when he received the promise. So he got that about 2058 B.C. Then uh, a week ago, I preached uh, on Isaac as he was in the land of the Philistine, retracing the steps of his father. And that was Genesis 26. That was, that was about 1958 B.C., so 100 years after uh, Abraham got his promise. And now we're talking about Jacob today in Genesis chapter 32, and that's right around 1896 B.C. Why do I give you these timelines? What I want you to see is this, that God always keeps his promises, but he doesn't always flow in the framework that we think he ought to do it in. What do I mean by that? Let me expand it further. We all think that if God gives me a promise, and he's, that means we, we, we go, oh, well, then he's got by the end of the month. <laughs> Either God fulfills the promise by the end of the month, or, you know, maybe that was pizza talking to me. It wasn't God, because, you know, after all, when God gives us a promise, it's like pronto, God's on it. And I want to show you, God gives promises, and he sometimes keeps those promises after our last breath. Way, way later, much later in time. It's, we have to have an understanding God's activity has preceded our first breath, and God's activity will continue after our last breath. And that his promises don't always happen in the timeline that we think it ought to happen. Like I said, we often hear a promise and we just go, boom, that means it's going to be in 30 to 45 days. In 60 days if God's slow. You realize, man, we're, we're, we're still, the, the, the only thing that Abraham's descendants own right now is a grave plot that Abraham bought to bury Sarah. I wouldn't exactly call that taking possession of the land. Okay? And it, you, you couldn't even make a case, well, is that it? No, it, it's understanding the timeline of God and how he works and how he develops things in our life and develops through us sometimes 
We're baton hand. We're handing off. We're not the last leg of the baton race. We're the, we're the second runner. We're the third. We're handing it off so that others can continue the run. And yeah, the finish line will come in sight one day. But we're still all part of the team. Amen? So, let's begin to look at the story. What's happened is this. Jacob has ripped his brother off with his birthright. Some of you remember the story. He dressed up, made himself smell and feel like he was uh, Esau, went into his dad and, and, deceived, and deceived Isaac, and he gave the blessing, and Esau figured out that Jacob had ripped him off and said, I'm going to kill you. And so Jacob went on the run. Even his mother, Rachel, said, I know Esau. You better get out of here. Your brother, that's not an idle threat. He will kill you. Have you ever noticed the brothers in the book of Genesis really had a problem with one another? You know, you got the Cain and Abel, you know? And then you, then you got Jacob and Esau, and later on next week I'll get into the story of Joseph and his brothers, and they're like, hey, we're better. We don't kill. We sell you into slavery. Like, wow, that's, that's a real promotion and value system. But, it's, boy, you see all the sibling rivalry going on. And so, while, so long story... He gets married while he's on the run. He gets cheated a few times, gets to be the recipient of the deception that he's pulled on other people. But somehow life has circled back and it's time to go face his brother. And here he is, having, we suspect that this was either going to be, the, the story we read is the night before the meeting. And Jacob's just not quite sure he's going to survive this thing. And he's worried. And rightfully so. And so, in the middle of the night, this story unfolds, and we're going to look at this in greater detail. So everybody, it's a long point, but read number one with me out loud. Man has always been tempted to use his resources to hide his true self from others and from God. Have you ever noticed the more stuff people have, the more they shove the stuff out in front of them to make sure that you see their stuff so that you have a better impression of who they are? They want you to see their stuff first because in their ideology is if you see my stuff, that will influence on the, have influence on what you think I am. And so we like to lead with our stuff. And, you, and, and Jacob's no different. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. Now you can go back into Genesis chapter 32 and it unpacks it even further. He broke them up into two camps. And the idea was that one camp would, would engage Esau and then the second one would engage right after and then would come Jacob. His he says it in, Gen in Genesis 32. Jacob says, that way if my brother attacks the first group, the second group has time to escape with their life and their resources. So he's really kind of protecting his assets. But the only other thing that you have here is, too, is Jacob's protecting himself. Because not only would the first, if, if, if Esau attacked that first group, that would give the second group time to get away, but it would also give Jacob time. So he's actually, you, listen, he's using people as a buffer because he thinks he's more important than them. Wow. Have you ever, now, don't look at him this morning, okay? <laughs> don't look at him. Have you ever run into somebody who thought they were better than other people? It's tough to be around them, isn't it? 
be around people who, who, who think they're more valuable than other people. And they, they actually present themselves that way. And you watch them use people. It's painful. It's painful to watch them do it. It's painful when you're the recipient of that. They think they're better, they're more important, and they, they play the system, they play the game, and they use people. Not, they're not using their influence to help. They're using their influence to make themselves grander, bigger, more famous. And you just kind of go, man, you know, I just... I just don't want to be around. And what's tough is maybe they were a friend of yours at one time, but the wealth and the possessions have changed who they are. And you've watched it, and they somehow started assigning, I'm even, even though I grew up with you, I'm better than you because I have more stuff. And you just kind of go, wow. Hey, mankind has always used stuff to be a buffer between them and other people and before God. To try to portray something that they really aren't, but it's just a way of disguising themselves. We want to use stuff to say, stuff makes me better, stuff makes me bigger. No, no. As a man, when you get up in the morning, my, my, I had a friend of mine who was a, a Christian counselor, and he had dealt with some really uh, influential individuals who had fallen in, in, in a variety of areas in life, not just in ministry, but professional lives. And I said, to him one time I said, what's one thing that you could tell me as a professional counselor when you've dealt with all these famous individuals and you helped them put their lives back together, what's one thing that you could tell me without betraying confidences so that, I, so that it would help me? He, you know, you would like for somebody to take about a minute to think that through. He didn't even pause. He said, oh, absolutely, I can tell you right now what you always need to remember. They pull on their pants in the morning one leg at a time, just like you do. He said they completely forgot they were human. They really believed they were something. And not just telling other people that. They looked in the mirror and they really believed that about themselves. It was self-deception. They forgot that the guy or the, or the person that they were 20 years ago that had to get up in the morning and pull the pants on one leg at a time, they're still that same person today. It just might be a more expensive pair of pants. <laughs> and I appreciated the candor of a counselor like that who just said, yeah, I can just, it may not sound very holy, it may not sound very righteous, but I can just tell you this, that never forget that you belong to the human race. And that what happens inside your heart is no different today than what will happen tomorrow. You, you need to keep a bearing on yourself. Wow. Now we understand why Jesus said and gave warnings about how wealth makes a lousy God. Makes a great tool. You can help people, you can do good, you can bless. But, but stuff, material, money makes a lousy God. That's why Jesus said that you can't serve mammon and God, or, or you can't serve mammon and God. Mammon was money, but it was all, mammon was also the name of a God. He just says you can't do the two together. You've got to make a decision. You're going to serve God. So money and resources make a great tool, but they make a lousy God. And they, they make a lousy purpose for life. Number two, read it out loud. Isolation is God's tool for getting our, getting our full attention. 
So sometimes God has to let things happen just so that he can get us one-on-one. Why? Because we, we even like to throw our stuff and our accomplishments and our titles, we like to throw that at God as well. And we think because of who we are and, and the things that we've accomplished that, might, that God might just have a different scale for us. No. That stuff is deceiving. And so Jacob was left alone. Even though I don't think he was intending this to happen, him being placed alone positioned him for God to get his attention. Many times people will have circumstances that will happen, and I'll hear this phrase. And so you, you'll know how I'll respond if you ever say this to me. And I don't mean this to be, to be rude or crude. I'm just going to say this is probably the response that I'm going to give you. If you ever, they'll say, I'm, I'm so lonely. I'm, I'm so by myself, I don't know what to do. My follow-up then is, then what is God trying to talk to you about? Because I always, I've always known this. When God goes one-on-one, he's ready to talk. And he does, he removes everything because he wants to have a conversation. But we're sometimes using the props that come in life as a distraction. Or, or, or we use it as, well, I, I, I don't hear that. It's amazing when you are left alone and you have nothing, how all of a sudden you have all the time in the world to talk to God. I've watched this play out in life, and again, I don't mean to be demeaning when I say this, but I'll say, well, how's your devotion life? Oh, pastor, you don't understand, man. I got to get up at 5.30. I got to be on the road by 6.15. I got this massive drive, and then I'm coming home, and, and then I've got responsibilities. And Man, I, you know, as much as I would love to have devotions, as long as I would love to talk to God on it, it's just really hard with the schedule that I keep. It's just difficult. And then... God gets them all by themselves by making them unemployed. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when you're unemployed how often you can talk to God? Now, it usually centers around, I need a job. <laughs> can you grant me a miracle? But isn't it amazing when God removes everything and there's nothing left, and God says, well, let me clear the calendar for you. And we'll just have a long it's a retreat. God says, we're not going to have just a short session. How about we just have a, a whole entire month-long retreat talking? Hey, by the way, even Jesus went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Trust me, there's nobody in the desert to talk to but God. And Jesus came back changed. It's, it says from this point he launched his ministry. See, at this point, he's 30 years of age, and he has not launched his ministry. We, we call those from age 12 to age 30 the silent years. We don't know. We have no idea what happened. We don't know what he was doing. All we know is the Bible is silent about what was happening. But then he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he came. And after being one-on-one with God for 40 days and 40 nights, he came back, wow, with the ministry. It changed the world. God does his best work when we're alone. By the way, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den by himself. I'm sure he was thinking, wow, you know, at least Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego got to go into the fire as a group. (laughs) Well, boy, God comes to me, you know, he's like, no, you get to go into the lion's all by yourself. Like, who who do you talk to in the lion's den? 
But we know, what, look, look, look how God brought him out. God does some of his best work in our lives when he says, it's me and it's you, let's talk. Everybody said amen. amen. Number three, read it out loud. Some of our toughest, some of our toughest battles are with God. You're thinking, uh, did you get that backwards, Pastor? No, I didn't. It says here, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. So early on, Jacob thinks he's fighting a man. Early on. And I'm going to show you a progression in Scripture. And the reason we're going to see this progression is this. This happens in the dark. Darkness, even when you're close to somebody, you can still have a lot of uncertainty about who you're dealing with or what your, the features are distorted because of the dark. So you're not quite sure. Hey, I had this happen a, a couple months ago. I uh, was doing some landscape and some work in my yard, and man, I was just like covered head to toe in dirt. I had these rubber boots up to my knees. I had, uh, it's, it's a muscle shirt, but it's just a wannabe muscle shirt. You know, cut off at the sleeves because I already knew. I, and I mean, literally, I could have taken that shirt off and wrung it out. had a, this ball cap. I mean, I'm just covered in dust. I got gloves on. And wouldn't you know what I was doing, I ran short of. So I had to run to a store here in Warrington. No, I was not going to get cleaned up. So I just get in the vehicle. I go to the store. And when I walk in, there's always somebody from the bridge there. So I'm walking down the aisle, and I thought, you know, oh, let's just, let's, I'm just going to do my thing here. So I, and I, as I walked by, I watched him do this. <laughs> and I thought, I wonder what they're thinking right now. I wonder what they're processing. So I, I had to go to this aisle, and I had this cart, and I'm loading stuff up. And they came to the end of the aisle. <laughs> and they were still just giving me the stare down, trying to figure out, is that who I think it is? And is he doing what I think he's doing? And so I load, I, now you got to know, as a pastor, I have fun with this stuff. So I didn't say a word. Okay, I just load my stuff up, I go up to the checkout, and uh, lo and behold, they ended up getting to the checkout, but they were in a different line. And I could see them having a conversation about, do you think that's him or is it not? Well, I don't want to say anything if it's not him, but that looks like him, but he wouldn't be look like that, would he? I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't what and so I left they never said a word now that family has seen me so many times by the way I came to church the following week and now I was in my attire right and they walk up and they go hey were you at they named the store I said yes was you there on this day yeah that was you I said yeah did you see us I said I sure did why didn't you say something? I said, I was having too much fun watching you guys. <laughs> now, they have seen me many, many times. I've had personal conversations with them. And yet, in the store, they weren't 100% sure it was me. And granted, I played along with it to make it more difficult for them, okay? But my point being, we read a story like this and we go, how could he have gotten it so wrong? Oh, there's ways. 
But you'll see the progression here. So, let's look at this. He said in verse 24, a man wrestled with him till daybreak. In verse 30, okay, so we progress through the story. His socket is, is touched and it's wrenched. And he said, so Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. So in this exchange of wrestling, he goes, this ain't God, or this ain't man. This is God. But... The scripture later on even gives us even more clarity. You go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 3 through 5. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. It's talking about Jacob. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled, what does it say, with the what? The angel and overcame him. So we see here that later on it became the understanding was he was wrestling with an angel of God. And some of the rabbis of the of the of, of uh, the rabbi teachings, they say uh, he was actually wrestling his own uh, guardian angel. Now remember, a couple weeks ago, I preached a little segment on angels, and we even came to Hebrews where it said, be careful how you entertain strangers, because in doing so, some of you have entertained an angel. So we know that they can take on human form, right? I think some of you are going, I think Pastor just went to Star Trek right here. He just, <laughs> shoot. Okay, I'm, you notice I'm just staying with the Bible. Okay, I'm just, just hanging right there. I'm backing it up with the scripture and things that I've even said before. So, but the, but the, the big point here is this. Jacob thought he was wrestling a man, and then he realized God had shown up. And that his struggle wasn't with a man, wasn't with the devil, God, his angelic being, God had said, Jacob, it's time to deal with some things. Now look at what happens here. He uses the, the uh, Hebrew uses the word wrestle, and it means this. The word wrestle in the Hebrew means to grapple or get dusty. Now, some of you are in law enforcement, and uh, some of you have been in the armed forces and a variety of other trainings that require specialized uh, let's just say defense tactics. And you know that it takes one set of skills to keep a perpetrator or your opponent at a certain distance. That's one set of skills. But when you engage into a wrestling match and you go to the ground and you are still engaged, that's a whole nother skill set that has to kick in. And many times you're just trying to put some distance between you and who, whatever that person, whoever that person is. But it it goes to a different level when you're wrestling and you are now arm in arm, embraced, and you're on the ground. That's a whole, now all of a sudden another set of skills is needed. Everybody follow me? And you see here that Jacob has not been able to keep his distance. This thing has wrestled him to the ground. Here's an aha for you. You ready for this? So wrestling means to get dirty and get dusty. Sometimes God reminds us who we are by rolling us in the dust from which we came. Sometimes we can get so full of ourselves and our accomplishments and we start to let our integrity slide and our character starts to slide and we start changing how we treat people and you will find God, he will take you and he will put you down and he will put you in the dust and he says, I am here to remind you 
you breathe because I breathed into this dirt. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody, you, you don't deserve. Listen to me. Sometimes God knocks us down not because he hates us, but he's trying to bring us back to our senses. And some of you know what it's like. Some of you have lost everything because of choices and decisions, and you used to be able to get away with it all the time, scot-free, nobody ever knew. And then all of a sudden, it just seemed like you got caught all the time, and you can't figure out why, and it's because God just said, I'm taking you to the ground, and we're going to have a match. And I'm going to roll you in the dirt from which you came so that you are reminded you breathe because of me. You're not bigger than me. You're not better than me. I'm God. You need to be reminded who you are. As a parent, we sometimes use the phrase, take you down a notch. <laughs> yeah, God sometimes has to do that to adults. He says, I'm going to take you down a notch. And here's the other part of this. Remember that Jacob used deception to get his brother's blessing, correct? How ironic that Jacob used a disguise to steal his brother's blessing, and then God turns around in disguise to draw Jacob to a, to draw Jacob to a new blessing. Jacob thought it was a man. And God says, we can let that ride for a while. But here's the thing. The more Jacob wrestled, this tells you something about Jacob. The more Jacob wrestled God, he real, this man, he recognized, if this was a man, I should have won by now. Because Jacob was a scrapper, Jacob was a fighter. And he realized, this can't be a man, otherwise I would have already won. There is no way this is just a human being. And in this struggle, his mindset pivots. And he especially knows that this is not just a man. When, the man, when this being touches his hip and it wrenches his hip and his socket and he goes, all right, there is no combative move in the world that just a mere touch can throw a hip out. Only something beyond the human form can do that. And he recognized, I, I'm just telling you, sometimes our toughest battles are with God. They go, oh, the devil's after me. That ain't the devil, that's God. Pray for me. No, yeah, yeah. Pray for me to be set free. No, we need to pray that you repent. <laughs> you know, sometimes the stuff unfolding in our life is God saying, you have gone on this way too long, and it's time. See, Jacob, man, he's, he's amassed wealth. He's doing great. He's got resources. He's trying to impress his brother by sending things the way that, you know, it's got a lot of multi-purposes the way he's doing it. But one of those is too, he's trying to impress his brother. Look how well I've done. And God says, I'm, Jacob, I've just, I've just had it with your act. I've had it with your fake spirituality. By the way, you never read about Jacob having, after, how many remember the story of where he, after he ran from his brother, he spent the night, and he has this dream, and there's a stairwell, and there's angels going up and down, right? So it says there that he prayed and he built an altar when he woke up. Do you know that after that, we never read that he prayed again? Until the night before he has to go meet his brother. Suddenly, oh God, protect me. Remember getting married to Rachel? 
and Leah and that whole deception and all that. He never prayed. There's no record that he was praying. The guy only talks to God when it's his neck. He never talks to God when it's somebody else's neck. It's only his neck. He is self-centered, man. And God has just said, we're done. Jacob, we're having it out, and we're having it out tonight. Number four, read it out loud. God uses struggles to position us for new dimensions of blessing. So he says, the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So here's the transition that he goes. This is not just another guy. This is a supernatural being. And this being has the ability to bless me. And I'm not letting go. And there's something here that is said. The man said, let me go for it as daybreak. God will not wrestle us forever. You either surrender or God says, then judgment comes. It appears that this angelic being has been assigned a timeline that he has until daybreak. The wrestling match does, is not allowed to go on and on and on. There is a time frame. Let me tell you, there is a time frame that God will wrestle you to get your attention, to turn you around, but there's a daybreak coming, and he says, if you haven't changed by then, then I'm withdrawing, and you're not going to like what's going to happen in your life. But I'm here for a period of time to give you a chance to turn around and change your life. And that time is, see, at this point, we read, do you read anything here that Jacob has repented yet? What does he say? Bless me. Like, brother, you need more than a blessing. You need to repent. You need to make things right. You've been deceiving. You've been ripping people off. You're using the people in your life and sending them on ahead to take a hit that ought to be deserved for you, but you're using them to take the hit so that you have time to get away. Jacob, you've got so many things, and you have the audacity to ask God for a blessing. God will not wrestle with us forever. At some point, God says, we're done. And I know that there are people sometimes who say, I can't believe that you say God sends people to hell. Listen to me. There's a phrase that you need to remember. You ready for this? People who don't know that they don't know. Hardest people in the world to reach. People who don't know that they don't know. And it's that statement. They, they act like that's an ace. They'll, they'll say it to me. I can't believe that you preach that God sends people to hell. And they feel, and they walk away from me like, well, I just put him in this place. And I go, ho, 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 ho. Can I do a follow-up? Rebuttal. You're right. God never sends anybody to hell. People choose it and God honors it. Stop blaming God for the choices that you make. And that goes to my next point there. Our response determines our destiny. There are people who tell God to bug off. There's a, there's a consequence with saying that. There's a consequence for living that. Don't blame God because you made a bad decision. That's not God's fault. And here's the beauty of it. You can choose eternity with God by taking responsibility in Him, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God doesn't send people to heaven. He rewards them based on their choice, their decision. But we need to stop blaming God for the outcomes of choices that we made. I can tell this is going over. 
Last one on this one. He says, bless me. Bless? I thought Jacob was already blessed. Remember Genesis 26 last week? He's in the land of famine. He has a hundredfold increase. I thought that was blessed. He's got all this stuff. He's broken it up into two camps. He's sent it in the head so that he can impress his brother. I mean, from the very definition of what we assign blessed, isn't Jacob already blessed? The answer is he has found out that stuff doesn't mean you're blessed. He's changed his definition of blessing. He's got everything that everybody thinks blessing is. And yet he says, I want you to bless me. You see, Jacob has now learned something that Solomon also learned, and he recorded it in Proverbs. And it's this, Proverbs 17.1, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. By the way, you got to read the story of Jacob. His two wives, man, they hated one another. And his kids hated one another. In fact, they hated Jacob. How's that for a lovely household? <laughs> Which household am I eating in tonight? I don't care, Dad. None of us want you. I don't, you know, nobody wants... Jacob is despised. His house is, is, a, is a battle zone. And then Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. See, Jacob has a problem. Everybody knows he's a rip-off artist. Everybody knows. Oh, yeah, you better, when you deal with him, be careful. The dude even ripped off his own brother. So you might want to really pay attention to what's in the contract when you go to deal with him. In fact, you might want to pay attention to what's not in the contract. Jacob will rob you. Man, he, he even impersonated his brother to rip him off. The guy is horrible. You, yeah, you, you, you want to do business because you can do good, but you better pay attention because this dude has no integrity. And Jacob knew that. He knew that nobody respected him in the business world and nobody respected him at home. And because of where he's at that night, he realizes this. How can I have so much stuff and everybody hate me? Trust me, there was nobody, nobody was going, well, we're going to name you after your granddaddy, Jacob. They're like, no, no, don't, don't do that. I don't want to be named after my granddaddy. He's a bad, bad dude, bad name. Don't, please, do not name me after my granddaddy, Jacob. Please, don't ruin me. That name in that particular time, Jacob has destroyed that name. God uses struggles to position us for new dimensions of blessing. Number five, read this out loud. Transparency with God releases his blessing. I know you've probably never paralleled this, but I love the fact that the angel circles a question back that Jacob blew earlier with his dad. His dad said, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. And it wasn't. And he said, remember he said, come over here and let me touch you. Come over here and let me smell you. Remember that? The last time he ever got asked that question, who are you, by a person of any type of authority, was his dad. And under that premise, he lied. And now the angel says, what's your name? Moment of truth. I'm Jacob. Wow. Didn't expect that. 
I'm the guy that nobody wants to be. They don't want to be, they want to be the dad that I am. They don't want to be the husband that I am. They don't want to, I, they don't want to be... They don't want to be the brother that I am. They don't want to be me. I'm, I'm that guy. For the first time, he honestly stands up and tells God who he is. I'm, I'm the screw-up. I'm the mess-up. I'm the liar. I'm the cheater. I'm the stealer. Jacob, can I just tell you something? It is amazing what God can do in your life when you come clean. And you don't come clean because you want stuff. You come clean because it just feels good to be clean. You know, it, he, just, he finally just says it. And it's amazing because he's transparent what God says he can do with a Jacob. Which takes us to the last one. Read it out loud. God's transformational power changes. It changes who we are. What's the response of God to a guy who says, I'm that guy. I'm that one. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. How many are familiar with that word? It's the first time we see it in Scripture. Most people never realize the name Israel goes all the way back to a guy named Jacob who nobody wanted to be like. And he says, I'll give you the name Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Two things that I want you to take note of here. God said to to Jacob, you're going to have to change how you walk and you're going to have to change how you present yourself. Because he was stuck with the limp the rest of his life. Every time Jacob would show up, somebody would go, Hey, what happened? The camel get the best of you? <laughs> what happened? Or one of the farm animals? What happened? Uh, did you fall, off a, fall out of a tree, fall off a cliff? How, how, did you, how did you do this? And Jacob would have to go, Hey, uh, this is what God had to do to get my attention. This is what God did to change my walk. Not just my physical walk, but to change the trajectory of my life. This is what God did. And he said, not only that, he said he gave me a new name. I never have to go around and say I'm Jacob. Oh, you mean like the Jacob? I, I'm Israel. Israel. That's a pleasant name. What does it mean? One who has struggled with God. That explains my hip. I struggle with God. But he changed me. Can I tell you this? God is here to change who you are and to change how you walk. In life, we all have, I'm going to wrap this up. In life, we all have things that sometimes cause scars in us. And sometimes those scars can bring back a lot of emotional trauma 
even some physical trauma and a variety of mental and relational traumas because of how we got those scars, the story that is behind that scar, what happened. And so sometimes those things can be, can be traumatizing and people will go, I wish I never had these scars because they remind me of the violation or the hurt and the pain that happened in my life. And I wish I never had these scars. And can I just tell you, he's a God who wants you to look at the scars differently. He wants to tell you this. Let me tell you, those scars are where your life was coming out of you at one point. And he stepped in and he closed it. See a scar. Listen to me. See a scar is the handprint of God. Where he said, I see where you bleed. Watch me close it. And you know what? I'll leave a mark so that you never forget it was me. The scar is not something of shame. That scar is something of fame. Look what God did. Let God change you. Let God change how you walk. Let him change how you see things that have happened in your life. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for people whose wounds are not visible that you heal them. Give him a badge by giving him a scar. Because the scar says you no longer bleed here. Your scar says that nothing is leaving you now. The scar says this is where God has touched my life. Holy Spirit, heal minds, heal bodies, heal hearts, heal the body. Heal the mental. Heal the relational. Jesus, you're in the room. May they feel your hands on top of where they bleed. And you're closing it. Today is their day. They walk different. And they'll talk different. 